Welcome back to the podcast. You are listening to Let It Out, hosted by me. I'm Katie Dale Bout. And if you are listening for the first time, welcome. Each week I talk to fascinating, creative, interesting people that inspire me. And we have these really long form conversations where ideally we forget we're recording and we just let out whatever we need to. And it's my favorite thing I've ever done. I say that every week and I really completely mean it. I've been hosting this podcast since early 2013. And honestly, I was pretty lonely. So I started listening to a lot of podcasts and Eventually, I was like, hey, I could do that. And I studied broadcast journalism, so I had a bit of a background in this, but not much. And at the time, back then, podcasts were very new. It was pre-serial, and not many people even knew what they were. But I loved them. They made me feel less alone. I really felt like I got to know the host. I wanted to become a host more than anything in the world, and... Eventually, cut till now, I did, and it exceeded any expectations that I would ever have had for what a podcast could be. It has allowed me to make so many friends from all over the world that I would have never met before through the guests and the people who listen to the podcast, and it's taught me so much. Anyway, after recording over 200 episodes, I haven't aired 200, but I have 200 with what I have on my computer, I feel like I might actually have some podcasting knowledge to share. I'm definitely not an expert, but here's the thing. I've been getting quite a lot of emails lately from people asking how to start their own podcast and not necessarily doing exactly what I do. They might not be interview podcasts or wellness podcasts. This podcast started as a really wellnessy podcast. It was called The Wellness Wonderland. Maybe some of you Remember that? Anyway, I realized after answering all these emails that I actually do have some knowledge to share when it comes to podcasting because I've just done so many of them. Like I said, I'm not an expert and I'm sure you can find a million people who could give you more expert knowledge on starting a podcast, but sometimes it's just nice to have someone a couple steps ahead in podcasting, not a million steps ahead. And if you feel like that might be me, I I have an idea. I have an idea because it's the wild west of podcasts and this medium can be pretty overwhelming. It was for me when I decided to start this podcast and I felt super lost and I knew I could speak, but I had no clue how to reach out to potential guests or what microphone to use or all the technology and getting into iTunes and eventually into people's earbuds was so overwhelming to me, much less eventually finding sponsors. I I almost just didn't do it at all. But when I started the podcast, I wasn't alone. That's my secret. I actually had an advisor. And if I didn't have him, I would have not done it because the technology was so overwhelming to me, I would have just forgotten about it. My boyfriend at the time took care of those things for me and helped me and was the sounding board that I could bounce ideas off of. And now I really feel like if I wouldn't have had that, I wouldn't have started this. And that makes me realize that maybe I could be that advisor to 
maybe you listening or your friend or your brother or sister or someone you know who wants to start a podcast. I think, like I said, this medium is so important and has given me so much. And I want to advise new podcasters on how they can start something more than I can and the quick emails I've been sending to people back who have questions for me, you know, about how to start a podcast. Anyway, this is way longer than I want it to be, but my point is everyone I meet who listens to this podcast is so cool and you know so much about me from listening to the podcast and I would love it if I could listen to a podcast that you host so I could also know about you. And if that's the case, if you do want to start a podcast, I'm deciding to start podcast advising. I dislike the word coach because I think of sports and I think tough and I'm neither of those things. I'm not athletic or tough. I'm gentle and loving so I can provide some support to make your idea a reality so selfishly I can listen to your podcast. This is all about me. Anyway, I'm not even ready to launch this now, but in the next couple weeks, I just want to gauge interest on, when I say launch, it's just going to be advising, just like a financial advisor. I want to advise you on your podcast. If you think this is something you might be interested in, just shoot me an email, katie at katiedouble.com. Amanda, if you don't know Amanda, she's the producer of this podcast She makes everything run, honestly. She's my advisor. Anyway, her and I will get back to you with details on this, but just let us know if you want to start a podcast, are considering starting a podcast, just want information on this, let us know and we will get back to you with information. Okay. All right. Speaking of information, today's podcast guest, Jamie Mandel, gives us a lot of information. She's someone who I connected with years ago. We actually met in person a little over a year ago. And now that I'm in New York, I hope to hang out with her quite a lot because you'll hear in this episode, there's some inside information that Jamie may not be staying in New York for very long. Anyway, we had dinner at my favorite place, Dimes, last week. Ever since that dinner, I've been so eager to listen back to this episode and put it out on the podcast for you to listen to too. She is smart. She's wise. She's an intuitive eating coach and a business coach and a really interesting person. We talk about decision-making and overthinking intuitive eating and intuitive living. We talk about relationships, exercising intuitively and living intuitively and just self-awareness in this really interesting way. I love this conversation. She's fantastic, and I think you guys will too. Okay, before we get to this episode, thank you so much to Franklin and Whitman, my favorite skincare line, for bringing us this episode. They are the sponsor this week. I love Frank and Wit. You've probably heard my episode with Chris, the founder. He's one of my favorite people, but just because he's my friend, that is not the only reason why I love his company. I love his company for so many reasons. One, all of their products use the best, highest quality, all natural ingredients, 
they have a superfood as the first ingredient in all of their face masks. So think turmeric, matcha, cacao. They smell good enough to eat. I love having a self-care night where I use their products. I use their face serum every single night before I go to sleep. Their hair serum is fantastic. I put it on the ends of my hair. Their dry shampoo smells wonderful. I think you guys will really love them. If you haven't tried out Frank and Wit yet, give them a try. Let us know what you think. Use the code Katie at checkout for 20% off your order when you give Franklin and Whitman a try. That's Katie, K-A-T-I-E, for 20% off your order. They're great. They're all natural, plant-based, preservative-free, cruelty-free, and 5% of their earnings goes to Animal Rescue. How amazing is that? Check them out. Again, that's Katie, K-A-T-I-E, for 20% off your order. Thank you so much for listening. Email me if you want to hang out about podcasts and enjoy this episode with Jamie. Talk to you after with the emoji. Bye. So how, how has your day been? You were traveling. Are we on this right now? Yeah. Oh. We just go. <laughs> oh, okay. we've, been on, we've been recording like since I, like <laughs> since I walked in. Um, but you, you were traveling, I think, when we tried to originally... Um, schedule this and then I was traveling and we finally made it happen or have you like been oh gosh, most of the summer I can't even remember where I was um your hair is beautiful by the thank way thank you beautiful hair. <laughs> it's like kind of gross right now um my summer has been crazy um I started a new relationship toward the beginning of the summer so that was like it's just been a whirlwind so, so exciting that's been really exciting and um yeah, so there's been a lot with that, and then, yeah, I've been on, like, a few trips. Where was I? I don't even remember. That's, like, how yeah, the pace of my life matter. right now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel the same way. I I have that. We'll get into that. But. Oh, I know where I was. Oh. I was in, I was leading that, a retreat in Santa Barbara. Oh, That's cool. where I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I led a retreat for entrepreneurs um, cool. out there. So I did a whole week in LA like a few days in, in LA beforehand and then led the retreat in Santa Barbara oh amazing yeah well my best friend from Michigan came to your retreat a couple of months ago with Libby uh, Amanda Amanda Duran oh yeah the one yeah. that was last year yeah yeah yeah, yeah. she yeah. came to the first one yeah so yeah. this was like the second yeah. version of that yeah exactly yeah. and I was gonna say we have so many mutual friends and so many <laughs> friends of mine who have either worked with you or like are friends with you or have collaborated with you it's it's really like a small world yeah yeah and no, we met is. a couple of years ago when I was in town mm-hmm. for my book launch like two years ago now mm-hmm. and then now I live here and we've been like trying to hang out and do this and now I we know. can do all of it's so exciting that you're here now I know <laughs> I know and we're like we're far, but we're on the same side of it. Yeah, east side. If you were on the west side, yeah. it'd be a lot harder to get here. But yeah. like, it's really not. It was today, but it's yeah. really not. Yeah. Um, okay, so I've been really liking starting this podcast in the present. So what have you been realizing or thinking or contemplating or overthinking, if you're me, like, <laughs> in the last, like, today or this week or this month, but as recent as you can? Um, my boyfriend is likely accepting a job in San Francisco, and we're both probably, or I'm also moving. No! So, I'm like, so <laughs> I know, I'm but like, we can hang out lots of uh, But not right now, but toward oh, the end so of the exciting. year. So it's been like I'm just, <laughs> that's been everything really. And yeah. then that, and then also 
Um, I launched Faster Your Life, which is my um, group program that I launch every fall. I launched that yesterday. So oh that's gosh. been like everything these last few days. That's a lot. Um, and yeah, so it's been a very busy week yeah. and a lot on my mind and just a lot of big things and a yeah. lot of big conversations and a lot of big decisions. And it's been super like awesome and exciting and like stressful, but like exciting, stressful, you know? Yeah. Um, and just I feel like I'm at this point where everything in my life is very up in the air and like changing and but like I'm just very like calm about it Mm. at the same time which is kind of crazy yeah but yeah it's been a lot of big things I think that really shows the work that you do and how well you take care of yourself yeah and you have for some years that a storm can hit but you're not shaken really yeah that's exciting so I want to get into you're, are you from New York? You've been here for so, six years. For Yeah, I've been in this apartment for six years. I've been in New York for eight and a half. So Where did you grow up? It's been a while. Um, Connecticut. Okay. So Mostly Connecticut. Been yeah. on the East Coast, really. Where did you go to yeah. school? At Emory in Atlanta. Okay, so yeah, you went to so school I went to the South. kind of far away, but you haven't lived on the West Coast yet, but you've been doing kind of retreats there. So is that yeah. somewhere that you've been wanting to go, even if he... Hadn't gotten the job? Yeah. I mean, I originally... It's funny. I went back. I was looking at... Through my emails um, last night just to... I knew that I had had, like, some conversations with people throughout the years about San Francisco neighborhoods and... Because I had gone and visited and and I was uh, looking through my emails and I found these emails from 2010 when I was convinced I was moving out there. So I had just moved to New York, and I was, like, a year into my finance job, which is what I first did when I moved out here. And I had written these, like, long emails to people out there just explaining, like, just family friends I knew and people I knew just saying, I don't think this is, yeah, I don't think that New York's right for me, and I think I'm going to start my health coaching career out in San Francisco, and... Like, I had all these email exchanges going back and forth. I really felt like I was going to move to San Francisco, and then I ultimately didn't. Um, and then it's all, it was always on my mind, and then L.A. was really on my mind. I've really liked L.A. in recent years. I never used to think I'd like it, and now I kind of really do. Mm-hmm. And I have a bunch of friends out there. You know, there's a huge entrepreneur network yeah. out there. Um, and then this past year, I almost moved to Seattle. I was very close to moving to Seattle, and then I ultimately decided I just didn't want to pick up my life and move across the country by myself so I didn't and now this is all happening in a really like way I would have never expected but yeah San Francisco not so much San Francisco necessarily but but California Mm -hmm. and the west coast has always been so appealing to me I just think there's so much you can do out there yeah that's different than here um and you've had your time here I've had a lot of time here I'm like I've been very ready to potentially leave New York for yeah. a while, um, and everyone knows that. My friends, family, it's like been it on my mind for a while. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, That's so exciting! Mm-hmm. Yeah, exclusive. Let it out, exclusive. <laughs> yeah, <Again>, scoop. <laughs> Seriously. Okay, you mentioned that you did finance before you started your business. So, when you were in school, how did you decide to? study finance what did you want to be when you grew up as a kid um I never saw myself doing finance I was always I can't see like any little child being like I think I'll work in finance <laughs> yeah I think I'll be an investment I'm a four-year-old. banker yeah <laughs> 
especially like a little girl. Yeah. Um, I always wanted to be, I I wanted to be a doctor. First I wanted to be an architect, then I wanted Mm -hmm. to be a doctor. And then I really did want to do something in nutrition, even in high school. But the more I looked into it, going that route and doing something in nutrition is actually like, um, it's just complicated to kind of figure out uh, what to do within that field. And I always just like felt like found it really daunting to figure out what to do. And so I ended up, when I was at school, I went to college I was pre-med my freshman year, um, and I just didn't like it. I didn't feel like it fit me, and I also didn't feel like I related to the other pe- the other people in my classes. Mm-hmm. So I went and took a couple classes at the business school, undergrad business school, and I just loved it. It just felt right. The people felt right, the teachers, the environment. And then at that time and at my school, they were really encouraging us to go into finance and to buy banking and it was very much like you do banking or consulting and like those are the two things that are the best career paths and so I was good with numbers I was always good with like math and stuff and so I just chose finance and went that route yeah um even though move where you wanted to move and yeah yeah but I had kind of an interesting um time with it because I graduated in 2008 which is when the whole financial industry crashed so the job that I was supposed to have that I'd worked so hard to get um was rescinded like my offer was rescinded and everybody else's in my like my starting class there so because I was supposed to work at Bear Stearns and Bear Stearns went under so that happened right when I graduated. So I had like so all this work to get so this much job, work. You all the interviews, and yeah. you're excited, and then you don't have a job. Yeah, and I had interned oh the summer before for that company. For that company, because you have to the way like iBanking works is you have to intern the summer before okay. and get an like you have to actually work there. And these jobs are so crazy. You pull all nighters. You don't have a life. Oh my god! And then yeah, you you work so hard to get this offer. And you got it. Got the offer, and then it was taken away. And like it was just so you have nothing. I have nothing. And I think in like years after I graduated, it became a little more common for people to graduate without jobs. But my year, it was like very weird to graduate without a job at that point. Right. And. Um, it was, it was awful. It sucked. So what did you do? Did you move home? So, yeah. So actually I was so stressed. I had like probably some of the worst couple of months of, mm. m- that I can remember during that time, just feeling so lost, like not having any idea what I was doing. Yeah. I was also, that's the time when I was really struggling with food and I was like emotionally eating and binge eating like crazy. Cause I just had no idea how to deal with my life. Yeah. Me too, actually. The year I graduated from college, interestingly, I don't have a similar story at all with the job situation, but I graduated in 2012, which is like a couple years still in the midst yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And same thing, just not knowing what I wanted to do. And yeah. the body stuff, as you know, like it creeps up when something's yeah, wrong with your life. Exactly. So I think that's just like a tumultuous time after yeah. college for anyone. And you're so, you're like basically a child. So yeah. you're trying to figure out. Anyway, I related to that, but go on. Yeah, I think it's so scary to just feel like you don't know what you're doing with your Mm -hmm. life. It's just, like, so unsettling to feel that way. Yeah, and every other point 
in life, you know, after kindergarten, you go to elementary school, right. after elementary school, middle school, right, and then after college, like, it's really uncertain, and uncertainty, I think as humans, we're constantly trying to control, and then we, when we can't, or you tried, yeah. and you couldn't, it's scary. Yeah, exactly. So we turn to, like, controlling food, which, like, yeah. we can't, and... Yeah, yeah. exactly. And it's also, I remember feeling at that time that no one could make the, no one could figure it out for me. Like, I distinctly remember feeling that way of almost like wanting my parents to just figure it out for me or wanting someone else. And there's these moments, and I experience this all the time today, where it's like you have to make these big decisions and no one can tell you what to do. Like, you can get so much advice and so much guidance, but at the end of the day, you're so responsible for your next move in your own life. And I think, I just remember that being one of the first times where I just had to figure so much stuff out on my own and I just did not know what to do. So I ended up actually um, going back to my summer camp as a counselor because I just needed I was so stressed and I didn't know what I wanted to do and my mom actually came up with with this idea she was like why don't you just take a summer like go back to your your camp that I only went to for three years I wasn't like one of those kids who went to camp every year and just like check out for a little bit and get some space I know. It's one of my mom's, like, best moves. And she's not really like that. My mom's, like, very, like, forceful. And so for her to be like, go to camp and check out, I don't even know where that came from. But I ended up going to my camp so last minute, became a counselor, worked in the, like, ropes course department, was a counselor for the oldest girls, slept in a bunk all summer. And I was outside every day. And I just got to, yeah, like, calm my mind down. And um, it was really what I needed. I just kind of got to, like, just take a step back. Yeah. And I did a lot of reflecting when I was there. And then I came back from that summer. And I just felt refreshed. And I felt ready to look for jobs and figure things out. And so I ended up going back to Emory as an alumni and went to their career fair. So it was all, like, students that were there and then me as an alumni. And I ended up finding the company that I worked for there. So it all kind of worked out. Oh, cool. Yeah. So then you find a job and now you're, you're, you took the time. And interestingly enough, it kind of sounds like you took some time for self-care that yeah. summer. Mm-hmm. And then you find yourself a job and get to New York City. Did you always want to live in New York? Did you come here often yeah. as a kid? I came here a little bit as a kid. Um... But, I yeah, I remember feeling so strongly when I graduated that I wanted to be in New York. I was like, I don't even care what I'm doing. I just want to be there. Yeah. I don't even know why. I think it just, it's not like I always worshipped New York when I was little. I think I just, I knew a lot of people that were coming here. And for whatever reason, I was just so pulled to being here. Yeah. I, I, I relate to that. And I think so many people do of like, it's, if you don't live here, you're, you not everyone and I don't want to speak for everyone but I think a lot of people are curious what it would be like to live here until you have the experience of living here and I that's someone who like just did it but yeah yeah it's very alluring and you see it all the time in the media yeah exactly you know it's something I think as we're kind of trained to be curious about yeah it's just so there's so much energy here and I think you know that even if you haven't lived here you're just like oh my god what would it be like it's just so exciting to think about living here yeah yeah um you know Ruby Warrington 
Mm-mm. She did the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and she said that New York City is actually built on a crystal. That's why it has this crazy energy. Oh, really? Yeah. Whoa. It's interesting. <laughs> um, okay, so you, you get this job in finance. You finally get to New York City. What was your life like then? Are you, like, so happy? You feel like everything is, like, kind of falling into place? How did you make friends here? What was work like? Um, so I lived in the East Village, two blocks from where you are. Oh, cool. Yeah, so I was down there. I lived with... What street? Two, uh, sixth, between okay. first and second. Cool. I lived with my two best friends from college. Oh, um, amazing. Yeah, so we had a three-bedroom apartment. Very small, um, but, like, awesome. And... Um, I actually got put on a team at work. I was not expecting this, but I got put on a team that that covered our clients in the southeast. Okay. So I traveled like every week for work. So it was wow. such a different lifestyle than I was anticipating. So are you like on the road Monday to Thursday? It was less. Uh, it was more flexible than that. Okay. So it was like yeah, like con- most consultants would be like Monday to Thursday, yeah. but mine was like. Um, just different places every week, different time more frames. Hard because yeah. consultants usually do like the same. It's more thing. consistent. Yeah. But in this case, I had control over my own schedule. Oh, so cool. I could plan all my own trips, like figured out which clients I needed to go to. I could, you know, just go to Atlanta or I could, you know, um, combine trips and like bounce around at different places. So it was kind of cool because I had so much control at a yeah. really young age. And I also got to travel, but again, like backdrop to all of this, huge struggles with food. And I just look, those years, you know, my biggest memories are just around my struggle with food around that time. And then traveling, you know, it's so hard, especially in the South. It's like not, a lot of the cities were hard to find like healthy food and I was binging. I was just, it was messy. Yeah. Um, Until... I started to heal my relationship with food and then I started to actually really enjoy the travel because I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't have like these issues around food anymore. So I could actually have fun with the food down, down there and like going out to eat and all that stuff. But it was taxing. Um, and I had a lot of fun those years in New York. Um, living with my friends was great. Um, can we get into the food stuff a little bit now? Yeah. So what was going on at that time? What was your relationship to food growing up and your body? And, you know, what was it like with your family? Are you an only child? Do you have brothers and sisters? I'm the middle. I'm a brother yeah. and a sister. Okay. So is this something that was part of your life as a kid? Or, like, how did you... And how did you realize that it was something that was messing with the rest of your life? So... um, my stuff with food was mostly, actually mostly stemmed from, I was always praised for my body as a kid. Mm. So I was naturally thin and um, athletic and I just had like lots of random comments about, you know, yeah. I having a good body. You know, boys are like, we ranked who has the best like body in the class and like stupid oh stuff gosh. like that. Yeah. and. It was just kind of, I never really cared that much, but it was just those little comments add up and you start to form this identity and you start to feel like I'm praised for my body and that must be a good thing, I guess. That's where my worth must come from. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to, and then you sort of like clench to that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And then my body started changing 
um, just through puberty and stuff like that, yeah. normal things. Does. Yeah, in high school, and I kind of just remember freaking out about that and being like, oh, I'm not as thin as I once was. I have extra, you know, like curves Whatever, and yeah. things on my body and like yeah. boobs and hips and yeah and of course looking back I had nothing to worry about but at the time I kind of um, internally freaked out and started I also though at the same time was really interested in health and like loved not like naturally loved being healthy and so I kind of started dabbling in diets but not so much from a punishing perspective but like oh my body's changing maybe I could be healthier Mm -hmm. and I also really like this kind of stuff so I did like my first diet when I was I don't know 16 and then it really just spiraled from there where I just such a slippery slope it's such a slippery slope I mean as soon as you turn food into what you should and shouldn't be eating and good and bad and you start trying to control your weight and your body it just all spins out of control um so and then on top of that I definitely had an emotional eating issue where uh I was cheated on by my boyfriend my first real boyfriend in high school and I was 16 so that same year and just didn't know how to deal with it. And so, and my parents, they're awesome, but they weren't really so good at, oh, you're having a really hard time. Let me talk to you about it. It was more like, we don't like seeing you upset, so can we like get over this kind of yeah. thing? And so I didn't really know how to handle my feelings, and there was a lot of that. So it was kind of just this perfect storm of trying to control my body, diets, uh, not knowing how to handle my feelings, And as you get older, things get more complicated. So the next 10 years were basically just binging, restricting, binging, restricting. Um, My weight was fluctuating constantly. Uh, Really low self-esteem. I felt, Mm -hmm. I just really didn't like my body, didn't feel good in my skin. Yeah. Um, It was just like internal torture. Yeah. I understand every word of that yeah (laughs) so when did you was it when you were working in finance that you realized that this wasn't working and decided to see it differently and how did you start to shift out of that cycle so I remember one day uh, during college that I found the book intuitive eating and I tried it at that point this is when I had that internship at Bear Stearns that mm-hmm. I mentioned, the really crazy one, and I just couldn't do I always it. Think of, did, do you ever watch that show Suits? Um, I've heard of it. I haven't okay. seen it. Well, anyway, it's, <laughs> it's about like lawyers, but I am picturing the internship being it's probably like, like that. Yeah, if anyone's yeah. watched, if, if anyone's <laughs> listening and has watched Suits, I'm visualizing the part with Lewis and the interns. Okay, go on. <laughs> um. So I tried intuitive eating, and it just didn't work for me because. You really have to commit. You have to commit, and yeah. and the whole premise is eating when you're hungry, stopping when you're full. I mean, that's, like, really simplified. But Which you've ignored for 10 years if you've yeah, been diving. exactly. And I had such emotional ties to food right. that I, I just remember one day at that internship being so overwhelmed and upset that I just ate a whole box of chocolate Teddy Grahams. Like, I couldn't... 
I just, I didn't know how to handle my feelings and like life. And so I used food all the time. And so even though I just, I could, yeah, I, I just didn't have like the coping mechanisms to not use food. So focusing on intuitive eating at that time just couldn't work for me. Yeah. So when did you, did you just kind of completely give it up then or how, and then you just went back to dieting? I completely gave it up, went back to dieting. Like sitting on your hands, don't eat the thing, don't eat the thing, and then eventually binging on the thing. Yeah, exactly. And then it wasn't until years later that I, you know, while I was working at this, in this finance job. The traveling one. The traveling one, that I tried intuitive eating again and um, just kind of worked on all aspects. I mean, healing your relationship with food is not, it's not like you just do one thing and it's, and you're done. It's like, you have to look at so many different factors. Mm -hmm. And so I started just doing a lot of soul searching, a lot of internal work, a lot of, a lot of different things had to kind of come together it wasn't just like reading the intuitive eating book and putting it into yeah. place. There was so much more that I had to work on as well. And then it all kind of over time, like adds up. totally changed yeah. everything. Yeah. I think all of the stuff with body and food and anti-dieting is so cumulative. And, you know, our mutual friend, Isabel yeah. Fox and Duke is, one of my mentors who really kind of turned me on to all these things and she always in her programs and I'm sure it's maybe similar with you starts with the intuitive eating book but then says like okay this is like an entry point to get you to start listening to your body again but you can't just do this you also have to work on body image and you also have to work on your life and you also have to work on you know emotional eating and and not beating yourself up for that and not making yourself wrong so it keeps happening and and all these different aspects of it and I think that's, while that book is so great and healing and helpful, and I'm so glad it exists, I think that's why so many people, myself included, the first time looking at the material, it's too much because it's such a big thing if you've been dieting for 20 years or 10 years or even a while, yeah. you have to completely retrain your mind. So mm-hmm. was that kind of your experience with it? Yeah, it's this stuff runs really deep, as you know. It's like related to, so yeah, it, it's related to your self esteem. It's a, related to the way you see yourself and why you're putting so much worth on your what your body looks like, right? Like so much of this stems from body image. Yeah, I always say that you can't if you're trying to control your body, you're going to try to control food. So yeah. body image is really like the root of a lot of people's food issues. Yeah. So, and then, yeah, it's how do you cope with different things in your life? We're all going to feel unworthy sometimes. We're all going to feel lonely. We're all going to feel inadequate. How do you cope with these things? Because so many of us either use food or we use the control of our bodies to try to get Mm -hmm. rid of those things. Like if I lost 10 pounds, I wouldn't feel unworthy. That's not true. We all feel it. You know, right. if I lost 10 pounds, I things would just be easier. I wouldn't yeah. feel insecure. So it's such an interesting, um, you know, I work with people on food and body image stuff, and it's so interesting because it's just such a bigger 
thing yeah. than food. It's never body. about your body or food. It's about why you're turning to food or and or controlling food. Yeah. All, all of that. So let's talk a little. I want to get back to your story real quick, but I yeah. want to pause about body image because something I always ask people at the end, which we're kind of in it right now, so I'll just ask you now. With body image, what are kind of some of your main ways looking back when you were first starting that really helped you start to tackle that thing and then I'd love to know like where you are with it now and the way that I usually frame that question is you know when you're having a bad body image moment what do you do to shift out of that so it doesn't become a bad body image day or week Mm -hmm. yeah so I think the biggest um the biggest thing that I had to question back then was just my beliefs about my body. So I was at a much higher weight back then than I am now. And I had so many beliefs about what that meant. Like I wasn't going to, I couldn't date at that size. I couldn't have a boyfriend. I couldn't be loved. I couldn't have fun. I didn't deserve to have fun. I couldn't handle calories from beer at a happy hour with friends. There was just I couldn't wear the things I wanted to wear. Like, there were so many beliefs that I created around um, what I could and couldn't have in that body. And I would say the biggest thing would be to start questioning those. And that's what I really did. I was like, is that really true? You know, do I, can I be loved at this weight? Can I feel confident at this weight? Can I wear clothes that I love? And we put ourselves in the, in this, kind of like jail like this very restrictive jail like feeling in our bodies as if this body is keeping me from all the things I want and it's just not really true and so one thing I always say to clients is look at people in your life that you know who have you know bigger bodies or are different shapes and I bet everyone can name someone that is living an awesome life who's so happy so loved so confident who doesn't have the quote-unquote perfect body. And it's like when you look at these examples and you start to question your beliefs, that makes such a difference. And so I really started to question what I was telling myself and I really worked with my thoughts Mm -hmm. because our thoughts are, I mean, so important. They shape our entire life. They shape our actions. They shape everything. Yeah, our emotions. Yeah. So that was probably one of the biggest things. how did you do that? How did you shift your, how did you remind yourself to start shifting your thoughts? Um, I read a lot. I I mean, I I really surrounded myself. So that was when I was getting into Gabby Bernstein and just, I kind of kept reminding myself and sort of infiltrating my life with ideas and people and thought leaders and books that kind of forced me to shift my perspective or challenge my perspective. And then I also started, um, just I always tell people to try on a new belief and just see what happens so you know try on this belief of I deserve to wear clothes that I feel really good in and see what that feels like to be living that way or I can be loved at this weight and I'm beautiful and just like try you know beliefs this whole belief thing can seem so crazy for someone who's yeah. felt so crappy about themselves to all of a sudden like walk around thinking I'm lovable yeah. and I can whatever but 
if you just go in with the mindset of you're just trying on this belief yeah, I and love seeing that. what it's like, I do that every day now too. I'm always working on like a new belief or shifting yeah. a belief. I mean, I love that because I I always say, and this is like not my thought, I've gotten this from somewhere, but I don't remember where, but beliefs are just a thought that you think a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. So if you just decide to think a different thought a bunch of times, it will become a belief and then your beliefs become your life. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's really training your mind. Yeah. Um, Which is not easy, but... Not easy. Not easy at all. Yeah. And then it's also looking for evidence that supports these new beliefs. Mm. So keeping your eyes open to evidence. And also looking for evidence that maybe... um, So evidence that, like, happens once you're kind of playing around with the new beliefs, but also things from your past. So I say this to clients a lot, too. Um, You know, we will, like, convince ourselves that if I lost 10 pounds, I'd be happier. But then I'm like, well, were you happier when you were 10 pounds thinner? And they're like, no, not really. So it's just also looking at things that have even happened to you in the past or that are happening to the people in your life and just really challenging what you're choosing to believe in. Yeah. So then now, like I said, I always ask people this, do you ever still have a bad body image moment? And if so, like, how do you be, especially, you know, doing the work that you do, being a public person and speaking about these particular topics, when you have a bad body image day, does it feel a bit more like, oh man, I, I talk about this all day. I really got to get my shit together. Yeah. Do you, how do you challenge that or like shift it quickly so it doesn't take over your life? I mean, I can't say I never have body image issues, but I really, to be honest, don't really like and it's not because I like think my body is the hottest thing ever it's just that I just don't feel like it matters that much and I just um yeah I have plenty of moments where I look in the mirror and I'm like wish my arms were not so like flabby and were more toned or oh I've gained a little bit of weight or my face looks fat like I have those like thoughts but they honestly don't really go any further I'm just like all right and then I move on with my day. And it's just because it really doesn't matter. Yeah. And I've just seen that so proven in, over time that there is nothing that my arms or a few extra pounds or my face like is keeping me from having in my life. And that's why I can just dismiss. I can like notice those things. Yeah. And then sometimes if I'm in a particularly rough spot, I may start to feel like, oh, I can't. One question I'll ask myself if I'm getting down on myself is, what do I feel like I can't have right now? Mm. And then I question that. Because usually the answer to that, you're like, that's so silly. Of course I can have that. You know, but you just have to kind of go there with yourself. Yeah to see what it is that's actually bothering you. Yeah. It's not like the arms or the stomach. It's like what you think you're not going to be able to have in your life because of those things. Right. And then if you're, if you question that, you're like, okay, that's probably not true. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good way to frame that. And thank you for outing all that and letting all that out because I think it's actually really important for people especially doing the work that you're doing 
to say like this is something that even at the high level that you are of like you talk about this all day long as a profession mm-hmm. you still have moments of like oh my face my arms whatever and first of all you're gorgeous and would be it anyway yeah. I've <laughs> been staring at you for the past however many minutes but that's not what this is about but the point is like you have those thoughts because you're human and I would argue because of the media and because of society yeah. and because of the diet industry and because of a million factors yeah and how you grew up, all these different things. And I think it's really important to, for everyone listening, and, and myself included, to be just like, oh, it's okay that I have these thoughts too. It doesn't mean that I'm not an intuitive eater. It doesn't mean that I'm, like, you know, susceptible to these, you know, I'm not going to diet now or I'm not, like, a bad person. It just means, oh, the media exists and, like, yeah. we live in a diet culture. Of course. I think we actually have to get really part of self-care is how do we handle those thoughts it's not eradicating those thoughts I don't think that should be the goal is like never to have a thought about our body not looking the way we want it to I actually teach people of course you're going to have those thoughts that's normal but how do you what do you do with those how do you how far do you let that take you yeah because in the past one of those thoughts would have led me down a a really different path of like thinking I wasn't you know, good enough, and then dieting, and then binging, and blah, 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 and now it's like, I have a thought, I can understand where it's coming from, and I can understand what I need from myself in that moment. Mm -hmm. Um, So I actually told this story at a retreat that I ran um, that I just thought of. So I was dating this person uh, before my boyfriend now, and a few months into a relationship, he asked me to go to Dallas with bunch of his friends and it was gonna be this whole like pool party or like pool weekend thing and I for the first time in a long time remember feeling like oh my gosh I have to like lose weight because I'm gonna be in a bathing suit all weekend with all these people I don't know and this boyfriend that I've been with for a few months and anxiety causing situation yeah (laughs) and it was so weird for me to think that way and so I stopped myself and I was like what is this really about why am I thinking I have to lose weight I haven't had that thought in years and it was because I felt like I wasn't going to be accepted mm-hmm. if I looked a certain way. And so what I really needed was not to lose weight, but to just spend time with myself, um, validating myself, right? And validating that I'm okay. And yeah. it was like I needed to almost mother myself in that moment and soothe myself because my like ego was, was getting attached to... Yeah needing all these other people to accept me and what I thought I had to do to have that happen. Mm. So I would encourage people to just pause and kind of be able to go through that process a little bit with themselves of like, what is this really about? Yeah. What am I afraid of? Yeah. I think one thing that brings that up for people, and it sounds like maybe that was part of it in, in this situation for you, but I know for me this this used to a lot more and, and still does from time to time. But comparison, comparison to other people, yeah. and um, and even to you know your past self. And I think one thing that is is really challenging too is that with the diet industry being so pervasive and diet culture being so pervasive and honestly the wellness industry, which you know I love a green juice as much as the next guy. I get mm-hmm. it. However, it can get the, the line between wellness and diet can be really blurred and, and thin. 
And with that, there are so many, being in the, the field that you're in and just in the world that we're in and the city that we're in, there's so many people that we admire who are, you know, in the spiritual community or the wellness community, but think very differently and act very differently when it comes to this one issue. And even though you might agree with them on, you know, A through B, A through D, like the rest of the points that they're making on, or the, the language that they use around dieting or the way that they just set an example is really pretty diety. Mm-hmm. How do you handle, not necessarily just your feelings personally, on not comparison really because I'm sure you know you can put blinders on and just kind of like live in your own lane but how do you handle your feelings around what they could be doing to people who are maybe where you were five years ago or clients that you're working with who also follow other people in the industry or in the world and see that and then are like well I really love what they're saying and I see them doing that because that's something that I would do you know I would like I would just look at someone who looked like they were living a really happy, great life, and I was like, I'm just going to do whatever she does. What does she yeah. What does she do to work out? What does she yeah. think? I'll just do that. You yeah, know? exactly. And I realized that like, we're all different people. So yeah. how do you – I don't know if that kind of yeah. makes sense. Yeah, but. it definitely does. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I see all that obviously out there. Yeah. And, like, yeah, it makes me – so my take is that I'm, I don't know what would work for everybody. So it's not like my way is the right way and their way is the wrong way. I definitely sometimes, like, when I see that stuff, I cringe a little because I just right. know that that's the kind of stuff I used to follow totally. when I was really that's struggling. Was yeah. yeah, and there's probably so many people who are just, oh, she's doing this, let me do this, and they're just probably on the same cycle that I was on. Right, and it contradicts, you know, intuitive eating yeah. or what you are are teaching yeah exactly and but I kind of am just like well that woman who's watching that and going and following that and if she's on the same path as me she kind of has to go through her own path to like find something else or find someone like me or someone that's that believes something different if that's right for her so I and for all I know, maybe that what that person is teaching is really good for some people. Some mm-hmm. people love structure and diets and yeah. do well with them. I don't know. I mean, I don't know that many, but, like, right. could be. So, like, I've even had clients sometimes who at the beginning of our work together, before they're, like, really in, they will kind of panic in the first month or two and say, like, oh, my gosh, this just feels too scary to, like, not have a plan. Mm-hmm. And I support them in if they want to go and, like, try out something else, I'm like, okay, like, you should. If that's what's, like, pulling at you, then you should go do it because I can't, like, force my, my myself onto anybody. Yeah. And, you know, nine times out of ten, I mean, this has only happened a few times, but, like, they always come back because they yeah. realize, like, that didn't work for them. But I always try to support people and just – their own journey. Yeah. Because you have to be ready for the... You have to be ready. The whole into... You have to want it. Yeah. If you don't want it, like... There are so many times where I wasn't ready for it. Yeah. I mean, you said that too. Like, that was your whole thing with the... You tried it once too, and it yeah. went back to dieting. So, I mean, I, I think the, only, the thing that sometimes just makes me sad, and I wonder how, how you feel about this too, is that there are so many women and people in the world that just don't know that there's another option yeah. and will go to their grave 
not living their life as fully as they could be because they're focusing on making their body their entire masterpiece. You know, they're sitting on their hands. They're they're like you with the Teddy Grahams or on this cycle. And some they might, you know, do it successfully in quotes, like, you know, manipulating their size and shape on the basis of dieting all their whole life. But then they miss out on the richness of life because they're it's like another career. Like, how do you... I think there's a lot of women. I think that's a lot of yeah. people, which is so sad. I think I think most women are struggling with food in their body in some yeah. way. And 100%. I think, honestly, I feel like a small percentage of them break out of it. Right. And that, it's really sad. It's a real issue in our world today that so many yeah. people are on this what diet do you roller think coaster will, in some way. It take the world to shift because I think even in the past few years, I see, and maybe it's just in my little bubble because right. in my little bubble of like my friends and my people I surround myself with, of course there are people who like this kind of goes right over their head and and they're dieting or they're con- controlling in some way, but for the most part, I, I really try to surround myself because I'm so susceptible to this myself. Right. It's just easier and more fun to be around yeah. people who yeah. who aren't controlling and our normal eaters or intuitive eaters right right but for the most part the most of the world isn't like that but I do think it's shifting I hope yeah so how what do you think it would take to I mean I think I hope what I'm doing of like having conversations like this and talking to more people about this will help people at least have the knowledge that like if you want it's okay if you don't but if you want there's another way to see it and there's another way to live Mm -hmm. so what do you what do you kind of think that it would take I mean I think it's shifting too but again I don't know if that's because it's literally in my world and like what I'm doing I I my sense is that it's shifting a bit and people are getting to a point where I think a lot of people realize that diets don't work yeah but it's not widespread enough, you know, it's not out there enough. And I don't know. I don't, I don't know because the diet industry is strong. Right. And social media and I think feeds into that so much. And that's only getting more and more of part of everybody's yeah. lives. And so I don't know. It's a really sad reality. Yeah. That I don't, I don't know. It's like I can do my part and we can all do our part and we can like share it and become those women that other people see. Right. But. Yeah. I don't know. It's well, I be... think what you said about the diet industry getting, being so big and getting bigger and with and bringing, you know, wellness into that, it's really kind of like culminating into one. And at the live podcast episode that you came to, I yeah. think a couple of years ago, we were talking about this, about how the diet industry is actually stealing, you know, our branding and our team, you know, like Mm -hmm. they're stealing the intuitive eating messaging of, you know, oh, I eat whatever I want now, but I just track it in Weight Watchers, you know, like I eat intuitively, I can eat bread or like, you know, Oprah and like Mm -hmm. these really mainstream things selling dieting, but veiling it underneath the guise of intuitive eating or freedom you know, yeah. yeah 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 and that's that's what scares me I think mm-hmm. totally yeah it's so true because I think that like like there is this shift toward p- 
people not wanting things to be so rigid. So the diet industry is like adapting to that and trying to make it seem like right. our programs are free, but they're really like, you know, you have a lot of freedom, but it's really not like that. It's still right. a diet. Right. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's like, it's, I feel so, I mean, I feel so bad. I mean, I get applications for people who want to work with me all the time and just emails and messages. And it's just, it's such a problem. Yeah. And it's like, thank God there's awesome people who are really, really devoted to this this kind of work and helping women. But it's it's definitely out there a lot. Yeah. It's like, I just want to raise awareness for it which I guess we're doing right now by, like, having this conversation. But I don't know. If maybe everyone who's listening... And, and that's the thing. It's like I can't be like, everyone who's listening, tell someone who's dieting this because mm-hmm. that doesn't work. That's, like, counterproductive. And yeah. it's just, like, talking to a brick wall. Like, it's almost like I want... People have to find it for themselves. I also think that a lot of people who hear that hear that are, are like, oh, I can't do that. Right. That won't work for me. I yeah. can't do that. I hear that all the time of, like, they're so terrified of listening to themselves right. and letting go of the rules. Like, that is, for someone who's been controlling and restricting for decades, the idea of trusting themselves feels completely out of the question. And so I do think there's also a segment of people that know about this but just feel like it is not yeah. for them and they can't do it and they're too afraid to give it a shot. And, of course, people are also afraid of, if I let go of all the rules, I'm going to gain weight. Right. And so, then it becomes. I think that's also a real thing. Issue. Yeah, exactly. It's. I think you know, for me, one of the biggest things with intuitive eating, and I, I talk to Simi about this a lot, of being like, "Am I intuitive eating correctly?" Mm-hmm. Like, I would always be like, "Am I still? Is there a sprinkle of dieting in here? Like, am I still?" Yeah. And and she said this great thing to me, and um, where she was like, you know. It's intuitive eating for you. Yeah. Like, it's intuitive eating your way. And it might not be perfect to the book. You're trying to, like, make it a diet. And, and Isabel has this great thing she says, like, as a big joke, the hunger and fullness diet. Yeah. Of, like, yeah. you know, making intuitive eating like a diet. So even totally. with that, you can, I can, and I still do, like, you can get in your head and be like, am I doing this correctly? Yeah. And I yeah. think it's just about really... And, and this is something that I wanted to talk to you about anyway, because I think you're really good at this, like living intuitively. Like mm-hmm. when it stops being just about food and living intuitively, like my therapist said to me a couple of years ago now, I was, I used to be this person where I'd always be like, oh, I feel so many feelings. Like I have so many feelings. And she was, she was like, you don't feel anything. You think a lot of thoughts. That's so funny. And she was like, you're not in your body feeling anything. You're always up here. Mm. And that really, you know, something's just like hit you. Yeah. Like that really hit me. And still now, even though that was a long time ago, and I've been like working on it and trying to be more present and trying to be more in my body and like find pleasure in my body and, and be present in my body I still, like, I'll be in a workout class and I'll be like, oh, I have not been here. Yeah. I have been, like, thinking yeah, yeah, about yeah. my to-do list. Or yeah. I'll be, you know, doing a million things that I should be in my body for and I'm in my head. Mm-hmm. So do you have any, do you relate to that? Do you have any, like, advice for that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like, the intuitive eating part or, like, the being All present? of it. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, intuitive living, I guess, I'm yeah. asking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... Well, I think around 
their relationship with food and intuitive eating, um, I I think that people can overcomplicate it and yeah. and be like, am I doing this right? Am I doing yeah. this right? And I think that at the end of the day, food should just feel easy. And if that means that you want to go out and have like 17 pieces of sushi because it feels really fun in the moment, like who cares? If it's a little more than you, your body needs, it should not matter. Yeah, it'll balance out. It'll balance out. And I think it's just like it should feel easy and you should feel like you're generally taking care of yourself. That doesn't mean you can't ever go out and get ice cream if your body doesn't want ice cream and you just feel like it anyway. It should just be like very stress-free. And that's I think where we want to get to, where we're we're taking care of ourselves in general, but we're also having fun. We're not overthinking things. Um, and it just feels easy. So, and that's going to look different for everybody. And there might be times where we're really focused on health and we're like, I really want to feel really good right now. And you may be really focused on that. And there's other times where you just want to be having more fun and you're, it can also change. You can go through like seasons of intuitive eating or whatever you, however you are wanting things at that time. Um, and then intuitive eat, intuitive living, I'm really big on that. Yeah. I just feel that's one of the best things that intuitive eating taught me was how to follow my gut. And I've taken that into so many different areas and I'm just, I'm so connected to that as often as possible throughout my work day and relationships with food, with exercise. I just really, um, really try to listen to my gut How do you remember to trust that in, because Simi mentioned to me that you're like, like you said, a master of living intuitively from relationships to, you know, career and your work to, of course, food. So how do you trust that? So I think that intuitive eating taught me that when I trusted my body, everything worked out like my body health was the best it ever was all the extra weight ended up falling off of me I just it was so crazy to me that all this time I was following all these rules and so in my head and that the second I trusted my gut in every single moment as much as I could I mean the first when you're first playing around with trusting yourself with food it's very wobbly you're like I don't know do I want a burger do I want a salad I don't even know but you just get better at it and I just saw everything get so much better that I was like whoa this is pretty powerful that when I listen to myself everything just gets better and then I just really started playing around with it in so many different ways and also and I still do this again looking for evidence of like I just made that choice perfect example like when we were supposed to record Mm -hmm. a few weeks ago And I, my gut was really telling me, like, I can't do this tonight. Like, it's too much. Yeah. And I emailed you, and you were like, thank uh, God, because I couldn't do it either. Why the next day. And yeah. I, and I felt so bad yeah. canceling on you, because we had been a whole thing to schedule it. And yeah. Yeah. And I was afraid it wouldn't happen at all. And exactly. Here we, here we are. And it was just... And that was me even practicing listening to myself even more from my um, not overcommitting, like, schedule perspective, which is still something I'm working on. So, and then in relationships, just, you know, every time I was like, okay, trusting my gut and saying something or doing something or making a decision and just seeing that all 99% of the time things work out, um, 
And you can play around with it in like small things about what you feel like wearing that day to huge decisions. And I think it's just, and then in my business, um, really trusting my gut and following the way I want to do something. Maybe it's not the way you're supposed to, but just the way I want to and seeing that things work out too. It's just given me so much faith in myself and trust that that way of living feels better and usually leads you down the best path for you. I feel like we kind of went astray from your path and your story. So you're in the finance job and things start falling into place when you start intuitively eating and you start to actually enjoy the travel and enjoy your time in New York. When do you decide that you want to leave that job and what was making that leap like and starting your own business? So while I was working, I went to the uh, Institute for Integrative Nutrition, which just happened because I had a, I had a health coach. Um, so I ended up having a year off after school in between summer camp and like starting this job because the market was so crazy. And I worked with a health coach around all my binging stuff, whatever, and she had, was an IIN grad. And she always said, I think you would love this one day. You should go to IIN. And at that point, I went not necessarily to become a coach, but because I was still struggling so much and I wanted it for my personal benefit. Yeah. So working in finance, went to IIN on the side, graduated as a health coach, really didn't know what to do with it, didn't really like want to be a coach. Um, then I was promoted to the position that I'd always wanted at this company did that for a year, and then I kind of just hit my ceiling where I, I looked around me and I was like, I don't want any other position here. I don't want to move up. Mm-hmm. I was, um, at the same time, I had started a food blog just for fun. It was a news resolution to cook a new recipe every week, and cool. so I started blogging and posting a thing every week, and at the same time, I'm healing my relationship with food, and everything is like my whole life is changing and everything's yeah. like so much better and I was like so much happier and slowly I started sharing on that blog about my philosophy around food and my story which was so scary because it was a completely like hidden thing no one knew that I was struggling mm-hmm. and I just got all this incredible feedback from the internet you know people around the world like thank you so much for sharing your story and I'm going through the same thing and blah, blah, blah. And you just, I realized like everyone's struggling with this stuff. And I have, I feel like I've like solved this massive puzzle in my life and I really want to help people. And so I eventually, it's like everything came together. Like I, I had the IAN thing degree. Um, I had this blog that had given me somewhat of a platform, not like huge by any means. Um, I was feeling so awesome in my life that I wanted to, I just like had to help people. So I, my plan was to go get my master's in nutrition because I felt like I needed to get another degree. Um, so I quit my job, went back to get, um, I took a bunch of prereqs to go back. I was going to go back to Columbia, get my master's in nutrition, Mm -hmm. ended up deciding I didn't want that or need that. And then I started my business. Like six months later. Was it scary to quit a full-time? Th- what kind of yeah. things were you telling yourself? Of, 
you know, got the job and the benefits and the 401k and the consistency to being essentially a freelancer. Yeah. How, what was, what were some things that you did at that time to make yourself feel okay when you're losing a lot of control? I mean, it was so crazy. That was, I'll never forget that time in my life. It was thrilling. Like I felt like I was literally on cloud nine. I felt so excited I felt like I was going on this giant adventure, but I had no idea how I was going to make it work, but I had confidence in myself. I just, I knew that the model worked. I knew that I'd followed other coaches for years now. I knew that they were full time. I knew that it could work somehow. And I just saw this like open opportunity of there's so many ways, so many things you could do with this. You can do coaching. You can do like be on TV, you can do podcasts, like there's so much to do and I just had no clue how to do it but I just felt like I could but yeah, it was so scary Uh, those first few weeks I felt so like naked I was like, oh my god, you just wake up every day and I didn't have to like turn my Blackberry on and my like, and check my email and the company that I was working for just like went on without me and it was so bizarre interesting feeling it was so weird. Yeah. Um, and then again, I just kind of followed my gut, and I, I just was like, okay, what's the, what's the first thing I want to do? What's the next thing I want to do? What's whatever? And I remember, like, launching my first launching, like, putting out my very first, like, $40 little course, the Intuitive Eating yeah. Challenge, and curling up on this couch, which is a different couch, but in this exact spot and like crying because I felt so vulnerable that I put myself out there to like a hundred people on my mailing list. And like, you know, those things are so scary, but you just kind of build. Yeah. And I had some savings, not like a lot, but I had enough that I could, I wasn't going to be like on the street. Um, which I think is important because if you're like freaking out about money from day one, it just totally like yeah. Impacts your ability to create anything and think straight. Right. And I also took a part-time job teaching kids cooking classes at the very oh. beginning downtown. And I only did it for a few months because then my business started getting busier. But I just, like, made it work. It was fun. Yeah. I was so excited. Yeah. That sounds really exciting. Yeah. You're, you said there's so many different ways that you can do this and grow this. And you're such a beautiful writer. And I kind of spent a lot of time with you today on, on your website going through some things that I, I read so much it was very helpful to me but you talk a lot about self-awareness in your writing and and my book and my all of this work actually but my book about journaling in particular is really the tool that I use most for self-awareness and getting to know myself better and like I said preparing to speak with you I looked back at this post that you had about self-awareness and and the importance of it but what are kind of why is self-awareness such a key for all of this and what are some of the tools and things that you've used and used to get to know yourself better Mm, that's a good question um yeah I mean I feel like I used to not know myself at all I didn't really know I just didn't, I just didn't, I would never have said that I was someone who knew myself. And it's just so important to know um, what you need, what your insecurities are, what your triggers are. 
um, how you uh, work best, how you operate best, what, what like self-care you need for yourself. Yeah. I mean, I think to live a life that feels really good to you, you have to know what that, what you require. Yeah. And you have to know what fills you up. You have to know what's hard for you when you're in relationships. Like you have to know what you're sensitive around. Um, I just think self-knowledge sets you up for um, being able to navigate life in the best way possible for you. Yeah. And it takes time to get to know yourself. I mean, we're always getting to know ourselves. Like, if that's never... You're changing, you're getting... So you have to, like, keep up with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I said that in this talk I gave at Wanderlust. I was like, this might be bleak, but the best you're going to know... Like, self-awareness is everything. And I'm constantly trying to get to know myself better. But the best I'm going to know myself is right before I die. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that exactly. and you're dead, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you're never going to... That's the best you're ever going to get. Yeah. And I love what you said there about relationships because relationships are just putting a mirror up in your face of, yeah. like, all... And, and my, my boyfriend, like, asks a lot of questions. Like, he just, like, <laughs> asks me a lot of questions, especially because he's just trying to get to know me better and how to, like, handle me. And I can be a lot sometimes. And sometimes when he asks these questions, I just don't know because I don't have the self-awareness developed. Yeah. And then sometimes I'll, I'll sit with it and I'll answer and I'll be like, oh, I see what was going on there. Yeah. But yeah, I can't, yeah. in the moment, like I can't just come up with it. Totally. And it can be frustrating and I can feel kind of like stuck in myself. But I love how you said that of like, that's, that's why we have relationships to mm-hmm. get to see ourselves, I think. Yeah. Ideally. Yeah. I think my relationships definitely brought up things where... It's like, I know I'm feeling something hard, but I don't know why. Like, I can't figure myself out. Yeah. And then I step away, and then over time, I will, like, figure that out, you know? But I think, yeah, you're always having reactions to things or going through something, and you're just like, oh, what was that? You know? What is that? What what just happened? You know? Why do I feel this way? What is this, like, bringing up for me? So relationships are such a beautiful way, I think, for us to... Yeah, to really get to know mm-hmm. know each know ourselves better, and I think yeah. if you're in a good relationship, that that is so supported of you continuing to get to know yourself better and being able to share that with someone, um, and having that person like help you get to continue yeah. to know yourself better in ways that you wouldn't necessarily figure out on your own. Yeah, totally. And sometimes it stems from like an action. Like I was thinking. Like, last week when I was gone, we had, like, a night in Venice before we went to Hawaii, and we were, like, walking into some store or something, and I did something. Like, I had, like, a reaction to something where I was like, no, like, let's leave, or I don't even remember exactly what it was, but Nick, my boyfriend, was like, why did you, like, what just happened there? And I was like, I don't even know. Like, it's fine. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. fine. And he's like, no, it wasn't. Like, yeah. what was your pro And I did, like, I, I honestly didn't know. Yeah. Like, I didn't. And then later, I, I, I we were, like, sitting on a, on a corner, and I think I was probably just, like, hungry and jet-lagged and, like, overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, my words were, I just feel like our vacation's going to be over too soon. Or, like, something like, you're ruining my vacation, I think is what I said. And he was like, our vacation, first of all. And I was, like, so embarrassed. But just one of those things where, like, 
I could, in the moment, you can't see what's even happening. I didn't even realize I was reacting that way. It just kind of happened. Yeah. And then two seconds later, I was like, oh, you were just overwhelmed and hungry. Yeah. And, like, yeah. it happens. But if I was by myself, I maybe wouldn't have even noticed that. Exactly. Yeah. He, like, made you kind of figure Aware it out. of it more quickly. Yeah. I would yeah. have noticed it. But, like, yeah. yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. And I think as women, we are so emotional. Like, mm-hmm. we just have so... We're so sensitive and we're so emotional and... I feel like that stuff's going on all day long yeah. where we're like feeling things and uh, and it's 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 not like we have to like dissect every single emotion but um the more we can journal or like do things that help us process yeah. our emotions and whatever is going on in our life it Talk can teach us them. so much about what we're made yeah. of what's going on yeah I want to talk about overwhelm and the myth of doing it all and it's interesting that we're having this conversation today because I've been like so overwhelmed today and just busy and anxious and and it's all it's all good things I don't want to take any off my plate and I honestly like can't take any off my plate but I had this moment today where I became embarrassed of this like really long rambly text message I sent to a friend of like why I can't hang out basically and I just felt so uncool after and just, like, like I had zero chill. And as I was preparing for this interview, I come across one of your old blog posts called How to Get It All Done and Still Have Time for You Too. And I was like, yes, <laughs> in doing my work, I get to read this thing mm-hmm. that I actually need to read right now. I was, like, very serendipitous. But you had so much wisdom in that article And I was hoping you could elaborate on it a little bit. But first, I want to read a passage that I thought was just so great and just kind of went right in, you know, Mm. some of those lines. Yeah. Um, So you wrote, knowing my pattern is to overschedule and people please, I consciously unraveled this. I canceled meetings that weren't 100% necessary. I gave myself space in my calendar to relax and breathe before leading an intense retreat. And then you go on to say... And this is the part I really love. Clue into your body and help you feel into your decisions, which will set you up for being able to handle everything with more ease. As our lives expand and our careers and our businesses grow, we may need to rethink how we handle everything on our plates. And I think that's what I'm going through right now with this growth, which can be uncomfortable. So how do you handle these transitions and still having space and time for yourself and I think we touched on this a little bit but maybe you could just kind of elaborate on the transition of of that period you were in when you first started your business to create like right now I'm craving more white space yeah like how do you how do you handle that well I think that um going back to trusting your intuition I think that when an opportunity comes across our desk um we usually for listening to our bodies have a gut reaction of like ooh, like oh that's gonna be too much or like oh yeah, that feels really good. Mm -hmm. And so I think that when it comes to overwhelm and scheduling and creating the appropriate amount of space in our schedules, we really need to listen to our bodies and to our gut and just really like ask yourself, is that going to, how does that feel? If I look at that, if I put that in my calendar or I look at my week or I look at the next few days, does it feel like stressful and tight and like, Ooh, because a lot of times it does and we just go for it anyway yeah. and then we're like wiped but 
Or does it feel spacious and it feels like, okay, I got that. That feels good. It's like a good amount of things for me to have on my plate. So I kind of use my intuition and my body to sort of gauge how my energy is going to feel. And, um, and then it's also just kind of knowing, um, yeah, like just really being able to going back to self-knowledge, just being able to anticipate your needs. Like if you're coming back from a big trip or you're leading up to a big trip or right now I'm going through a launch, I clear out my schedule like big time during a launch because I just know that even though I don't have, I mean, first of all, I have a lot of work, but it's also the mental stress is just really high. And so I just don't have enough energy for as many other things. Mm. So I think it's just self-knowledge, listening to your body and your gut when you're figuring out your schedule and like actually listening to that. Yeah. I think that's such good advice for just decision making in general. Because I think that's something that I struggle with. And I think especially being in New York, it's... um, amped up a lot for me just because I'm making so many more decisions on a given day there are one million places I could go work from or eat or ways I could transport myself places or like the ways I could spend my time that it's just it's taking so much of me I think and there are some times that I make decisions and I am so in my body like this. I am so glad I chose to take this walk right now. And I am so happy I chose to come work here and I got out of the apartment or whatever. But there are other times where I'm like, oh, I could have gone here. I could have gone there. Yeah. Like, I don't know. No, and like, yeah. it's, it, you can, it can just be paralyzing sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Do you ever experience that? Do you ever- oh, my God. I have. I'm not the best at making decisions like yeah. I can and I can be really good if I have a gut feeling yeah but yes I just these last few so I was um launching my program mm-hmm. and I was really caught up on the price because I changed the price between uh the last couple of years and this year I knew I was increasing it but I did not know what to increase it to and I made myself almost sick making this decision and it was just crazy I was like stuck outside of myself and I was like you're nuts right now like just yeah. choose a number it's not the end of the world I mean I do that with like the jeans I'm wearing yeah and like the coffee shop I'm wearing yeah I do it a lot and I think that and I was actually talking to a client about this today that I think we think that there is one right solution and that it's our job to find it. Yeah. And it's like a game of like, ooh, are you going to like pick the right one? And where does the universe want me to be? Yeah, exactly. Like, Where's my intuition really yeah. like guiding it's like, me toward? It's kind of like what you're saying about intuitive eating, like trying to overthinking it. Yeah. I think there is definitely a point of overthinking decision making and thinking like we're supposed to be like listening to the signs and being guided yeah. toward one. And I don't know. Like there I think are many people that we could many places we could be happy working from exactly sometimes just make it work I think at some point you just have to say okay if I don't have a clear gut feeling on this one I just have to choose and go and I think sometimes we will have a clear like you said this one or that one but I don't think we can expect to have that every single decision Mm. that is like really what I needed to hear today I think because like I said, there are times where I'm so happy and sure and nothing feels better than that. Like that is yeah. just a good feeling. And I think for me to expect that every time, yeah, it doesn't feel good when I'm unsure and when I'm like, oh, could it have been this one or maybe I should have gone with the other one. Like 
and it might not be a clearly wrong decision, but it's not a, like a great one. Like maybe yeah. I could have done better, but then I can just be like, well, you know, there's tomorrow. And exactly. And like, doesn't mean I'm, I'm going to always make the wrong decision. Like that will happen. And it's, it's, I think when I started intuitively eating and I still sometimes struggle with this now, like I used to put so much pressure on every meal to be either delicious and amazing because it was like needed to be quote worth it. Or it was, like, really healthy and, like, made me feel really great. Mm-hmm. and Or was, like, a mix of both, ideally. Like, but some meals are just, like, meh, you know? But it's, yeah. like, you'll, I, there's another one tomorrow and every day after that, you know? So yeah. I think it's the same thing with life. It's so, I'm so glad you just said that because I feel like I needed to hear that because I think with food, I'm so, I'm actually good at being, like, not getting caught up in my decisions. I'm just like, okay, maybe this isn't the best thing for me right now, but whatever. Yeah. Whereas I think in life decisions, I'm like, there must be a right one. Yeah. And so I think that's actually helpful for me to hear yeah. that, yeah, it's not like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This has been so great. And yeah. I'm sorry I've kept you so long, but I have to ask you the questions I ask everyone. Okay. Okay. So we already co- covered the body image one, so I'm going to zip on by that one. Feminism. How do you define feminism and how do you act feminism in your own life? Um, I, it's, I don't know. It's an interesting topic for me because I definitely would not, um, I mean, I obviously feel very strong about, you know, supporting women and like women having you know, equal everything and all of that. But I would never say that I'm like a hardcore feminist, but like I definitely, or I don't, I don't think that I do like a ton of work around that, but I definitely, um, you know, really support women being like their, the strongest that they can be. I mean, that's literally what you do for a living. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that, um, I really work toward helping women. I mean, I only work with women, and I really work toward helping them be as strong and capable and confident and having what they really deserve and want in their lives, in their relationships, in the workplace. Um, And I think that I really support women living boldly and bravely and knowing what it is that they want and deserve and really going for that in all areas. Um, so I would say like, yeah, my work around that is probably all related to, um, like elevating women on an individual basis. Cool. How do you handle your relationship with social media and technology in, in general and your phone? I think that's always an interesting topic. So I definitely struggle with it. I, I, I'm not someone who, like, I love social media to an extent, and it definitely helps me in my business. But I cannot be on my phone all the time. It's just it's so draining for me. So I share what feels good to share. I don't have rules about it. I don't schedule my posts. I've just never gotten to that. Um, and in terms of what I follow, I don't follow that much. Um, I just can't. I don't have the energy for it. I follow some things that I feel really light me up 
and I love, but I'm not, I don't read a lot of blogs. I don't, I just don't consume a lot on social media. I, I do some, but just not a lot. That makes sense. I, I think it's, that's another thing I kind of needed to hear of like kind of putting blinders on to other things and just yeah. doing, moving forward, doing you. I definitely have blinders on a little bit. Um, it just doesn't feel good. I just notice if I'm sitting there just like scrolling through things, yeah. I just feel like icky. It just doesn't. I'm like, yeah. this is not serving me. This is not really doing much. There's yeah. a lot richer ways I could be spending even these 15 minutes. Totally. And sometimes I feel unconscious when I'm doing it. Like I've just, I heard someone say recently that scrolling is the new smoking. Yeah. And it's the way we like relax and tap out and yeah. cope with our feelings. Like turn yeah. to food, turn to your phone. You yeah, know? You exactly. You want to like tap out of life. And not be present. Yeah. So, yeah, it doesn't feel good. You, we mentioned how you're such a great writer. And as you know, I wrote this, this book about journaling. And so I always love to ask people about writing and journaling in particular. How has that ever been something that you've done? And is writing cathartic for you? And what's kind of your relationship to that thing? Yeah, I um, am a huge journaler. So I journal all the time, like maybe every day. It's not necessarily every morning, but I use journaling as... It's probably my biggest way of dealing with life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I never used to be into it. I used to like want to be a journaler, and I could never get into it. And then I was going through a really rough breakup a few years ago, and it was like my lifesaver to just have my journal on me at all times because it helped me work through really dark thoughts and I um I do this thing where I journal to my intuition and back or I journal to like God and back or the universe and back so I actually uh, I picked this up somewhere and it's my favorite form of journaling because I get like answers back and I get feedback and guidance back so I use that I use journaling all the time I love that you wrote recently about exercise in a really vulnerable, interesting way. And I think that's something much like food that people get so dogmatic about. So what has your relationship with intuitive movement been? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, same along the theme of listening to your intuition. I really feel like um, when I'm forcing exercise, nothing works out well. <laughs> when I'm listening to my body... I feel like my body feels its best. So my relationship with exercise, I mean, exercise in my life changes all the time. I'm never kind of like on a routine. I just do what feels good at the time. Sometimes I'm into soul cycle. Right now I'm not. Sometimes I'm into yoga. Sometimes I like to go on walks. Um, And again, I can't, life's been so busy this last, these last few weeks that I haven't moved as much as my body definitely was asking me to but it's okay that's life and you move on and you know I just know that when things are a little more settled I'll give that back to my body and take care of her a little bit more but I try to still stay in tune enough even though it can't be like a hundred percent like this morning I didn't have time to go to yoga but I put my yoga mat down in here and just did 10 minutes of stretching so even just little bits even if I can't do what I really would be wanting to do for yeah. myself. Yeah, I think that's important to say and hear and was good for me to hear. I always ask people about 
morning routine. So what are maybe the first three things you do when you wake up in the morning and how do those affect how the rest of your day goes? So I really don't have a morning routine. I, I try every morning to do something that feels good and I let that change every day. So I journal a lot or I'll meditate sometimes or I will go out on my balcony and just do some writing or just hang out with a cup of coffee. Yeah, I know. Um, or I'll listen to like some songs or I'll do some yoga or I'll just, sometimes it feels really good to jump right into work because I'm just so ready. So I don't have um, like a specific routine. It's just I like to make sure that I'm conscious of what I'm doing and that I'm either choosing to start work right away or I'm choosing to do something else that I feel like I need. Cool. What about in the evening at the end of the day? What are the last few things you do before bed? How do you shut down from work and get into life mode? Um, kind of depends on, you know, if I'm by myself or not or what I'm doing. But I really need chill time before bed. I can't just, like, go from something crazy to sleep. I don't work at night. That's a big rule I have. Um uh, I mean, like, every now and then, but generally, I really don't. Um, Except for right now. This is Um And, yeah, I'll usually just do something, like, calming. Sometimes it'll be hanging out with my boyfriend, like, doing whatever. Sometimes it's reading. Sometimes it's... I definitely do journal a lot. I love... I've really been into this lately, planning my day the night before in my journal, so the top like three things I want to get done, making sure I've built in self-care, making sure my day just looks awesome for the next yeah. day. Um, I love that too. It helps me get out of bed in the morning yeah. quicker. Because you're like, okay, I know what this yeah. day is going to look like. Yeah. Because even if I have like a lot of things I need to do or want to do even, it can just be like, feel so jumbled in my mind if I don't. Exactly. Exactly. I think that's been really helping lately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so these ones are quick fire. So just say the first thing that comes to your mind. But I'll warn you, they get harder as we go. <laughs> God, okay. Okay, so favorite color. I like to warm you up. Blue. Favorite day of the week? Wednesday. Favorite hour of the day? 7 a.m. One thing you wish more people knew about self-care? It's a non-negotiable. Favorite part of living in New York City? Which is an interesting question for you right now. Um, the excitement, the action. What advice do you have for someone moving here? Don't feel like you have to do it all and just do it your way. Like if you want to be home and cooking and hanging out with yourself five days a week do it yeah there's no like right way to do new york city intuitive new york exactly (laughs) okay what is the best thing you've eaten in the last week oh my gosh well i have a horrible memory so this should be interesting um uh Or just something that was, like, pretty good that came to mind? Um, 
this is so lame, but because I've been so busy, Sweet Green is across the street, mm-hmm. and I've been getting amazing salads, and it's been saving my life during this time. I mean, yeah. they're really good. Yeah. Um, okay, greatest lesson on romantic relationships? <sighs> I feel like this could be, like, a whole other podcast. podcast. I think... Um, we can do that, too. I would say, too, know what it is you really want, and don't be... A don't be like just really stand in that of like I want this in a relationship I want this in a person and also just be vulnerable like you have to share everything you're thinking yeah. and feeling and like it's so hard like, but it it's sucks. so important yeah. <laughs> it's like the worst and you cry through those conversations yeah. but you have to do it greatest lesson of family um I think to just accept them as they are and love them for everything that they are and are not because they're your family and they're going to be like hard and annoying and frustrating but they're your family and you just have to like give like I think it's a great place to practice unconditional love Mm. yeah well said greatest lesson on spirituality God what you think happens when you die everything in that um It's just been important to me to have some relationship to that. And I don't think it needs to be so defined. Like, oh, this is these are exactly what I believe in. And I think it's just, if you to, it's important to find a general um, connection in some way to something bigger than you. Mm, yeah. Okay, this one's kind of fun. You're having a dinner party. Who are some people, like a handful of people that you'd love to invite and what would you cook or eat? And what do you hope that the conversation involves? And what do you hope doesn't come up in the conversation? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if I'm supposed to answer with like famous people, but I would. You I just, if I had that, I would just. I love. I would probably want to bring together like my favorite women in my life from all over the place. I feel like I know people like all over, and I would just love to curate a group of women that. I've met in different places that are all very soulful and smart and interesting. And I love deep dinner conversation, yeah. like just interesting things. And I think a lot of times at dinners, those things don't happen. It's just you talk about like whatever. But I, I love when there's questions that make you go deeper. Yeah. And um, I love giving women space to also just talk about themselves and have other women witness that so what would I cook Um, be seen and heard yeah really be seen and heard I think that's really rare yeah and I think I would love to give women the opportunity the the women in my life the opportunity for that I think that's why coaching exists and that's like what people are wanting from coaching is like to be seen and heard yeah which like maybe that which is, is great that we have coaching but maybe people aren't getting that in their friendships or their relationships in a vulnerable way. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So back to your dinner party, what would you cook or eat? Um, I would probably keep it simple. I would probably like the way that I normally cook is some sort of protein, some sort of carbohydrate and some sort of veggie. So I'd probably keep it simple and do like, I don't know, some sort of like chicken or like fish or something. Mm -hmm. And then some sort of grain and then, salad or veggies or something yeah um and wine and what would I and then yeah what was the other part what would I not want to come up yeah and what do you want you already said what you want to talk about 
um, what I wouldn't want to come up. Um, I think just like I don't like gossip, yeah. and it, I just Same. I feel like it's wasted time yeah. to just like talk negatively about yeah. a lot of like people and things, and, and it's just gross. not yeah what I would want. Yeah, agree. Okay, so this one, second to last question, is really just a way for you to recommend things you've been liking recently or ultimate favorites. So I usually frame it this way. You've, you're trapped on a deserted island and you can only bring with you one book, one movie, one TV show, and one favorite food and one piece of music. Did I say that? Yeah. So. Oh, gosh. This is so many. Yeah. Oh, God. Okay, so... Um, uh TV show I would probably bring um I don't know I don't honestly watch a lot of TV I've been watching This Is Us lately have you seen that yeah yeah I haven't watched this season but Amanda and I actually watched last season together yeah I don't know I've been watching that lately um or maybe something funny but I don't know off the top of my head and then um a book I would probably bring something like spiritual to kind of keep me like going um is there one in particular that you really liked or like an ultimate favorite you want to recommend to people um there's been a few I mean the dark side of the light chasers is one of my favorites by Debbie Ford I give that to like so many of my clients um the power of now um I just find that really engaging I could probably read that 17 times and still get something new out of it Um, Have you ever listened to it by any No. His voice is very Really? <laughs> I'm sure that would be a really funny one to listen to. Yeah. Um, favorite food or food I'd bring? Uh, yeah, like your last meal food or just something that you, like, really love? Um, probably something, like, Mediterranean with like lots of different dips and combinations yeah. that you can dip everything into. Yeah. So many combinations. It's like my favorite. That's really smart. <laughs> That's really good for the island. Yeah. 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 What else do we have? Um, music, podcast. Um, your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this episode. This, yeah. <laughs> um, no, honestly, I don't listen to that many podcasts. So, um, I don't know about that one. And then music, Bruce Springsteen. Cool. Okay, so the name of this podcast is Let It Out. And as you know, um, do you feel like you let it all out? Did I bring you dry for all of your wisdom? Is there anything that you wish that I would have asked that you wanted to talk about that you didn't get to? How do you feel? I feel good. I feel like this was really, it's nice to have a longer podcast because you don't feel rushed. It's just yeah. like, oh, we can just really talk and yeah. let things out. Yeah. So, um, no, I think this was awesome. Oh, good. Okay. Well, I know you said you just had a launch, but there's ways that people can stay in touch with you mm-hmm. on the internet. Obviously, we'll have everything in the show notes, but your people can get on, you have like so many freebies on your website and people can get on your email list. Do you... Mm-hmm launch other things throughout the year and do you have like a waiting list people want to work with you one-on-one yeah I mean the best thing right now would be the program master life um and otherwise I have speaking of intuitive eating I have an intuitive eating challenge Mm. that I launched five years ago so there's been thousands of people that have gone through it so for anyone who 
liked, I guess, that content of the episode, yeah. that's ongoing. You can sign up anytime on my website. Cool. Um, and then, uh, yeah, private coaching, everything's on there in the work with me tab. All right, that was my episode with Jamie. I hope you liked it as much as I did. Thank you so much for listening to my rambly intro. If you do want to check out my ideas for podcast, I was going to say mentoring, but I really like the term advising. And that's really essentially what I would be doing is being an advisor. I had one when I started and I'd love to be that for you, whether it's determining your style and your voice, determining your audience, I have some really great advice, email templates to how to reach out to guests, how I get guests, how I organize things, interviewing basics, setting up all the logistics and technology, equipment, microphones, editing, software, hosting, show notes. It's a lot just saying all this, not to mention the sharing and promotion and eventually sponsorships and how to manage it all. I, again, I'm not an expert. However, I've done this a while and I would love to open the kimono for you like I've been doing in emails. And there's only so much you can do in a short, brief email. So if you want some more advice and would like to talk to me, email me. I want to gauge interest and see what this could be. And if advising is something that you would like me to do, I'm happy to do it. Okay, email me, katie at katiedevil.com. Thank you so much to Franklin and Whitman for being the amazing brand that they are. All of their products are all natural, preservative-free. They donate 5% of their earnings to Dog Rescue. I love their face serum. I love all of their face masks. They have this great facial steam. There's a new one that has cinnamon in it. That is my favorite right now. We'll link that product in the show notes. I also use their hair serum every day can't say enough good things about them. If you want to learn more about them, listen to my episode with Chris, the founder, but until then go check them out, place an order. It supports the podcast. It supports dog rescue. It supports your skin and you can get 20% off your order by using the code Katie. That's my name. It's also spelled K A T I E and that's 20% off your order. Thank you so much, Franklin and Whitman. Thank you for listening. I love you guys so much. That's it. Just the one sponsored this week. I'm going to go. I've got a bunch I need to do, but I just want to tell you that I love you. Oh, and the emoji this week is the peace sign. That's it. It's the peace sign. Jamie's really chill, and um, I hope I haven't used that one before, but that's what it is. So tweet at her. Tweet at me. Send her a message on Instagram. Let her know that you listened to this podcast and that you liked it. I just I think it would make her happy, and she's my friend, so you should do that. Okay, talk to you guys next week. Love you. Bye.